Welcome to the Live Like It's True podcast, where we look at some of the most interesting and astonishing stories of the Bible and ask, how can we live like this story is true? I'm your host, Shannon Popkin. I'm an author, a speaker, and a Bible teacher. And here on the podcast, I'm inviting you to drink deeply of the true story of the Bible and live like it's true. I'm so excited to tell you about my two new books launching this spring. And here on the podcast, I'll be hosting two series in correlation with each of these books. So first, we'll do the Sarah series, and we'll look at the life of Sarah in Genesis 12 through 21, which is the topic of my brand new Bible study, Shaped by God's Promises, Lessons from Sarah on Fear and Faith. I love this story of the Bible, and I can't wait to dive in with you, both in the pages of this new book and here on the podcast. My second book launching is Comparison Girl for Teens. So excited about this book, co-authored by my dear friend, Lee Neenheis. We poured our hearts into this super fun and truth-packed resource that we know is going to help so many teens find freedom from the comparison trap. So here on the podcast, we'll be doing a comparison series, looking at how Jesus compared in a completely different way. I hope that every one of these amazing conversations will inspire you to better know the story, share the story, and live like the story is true. Hey, are you a perfectionist? Do you run yourself ragged with your work or your family or your ministry? And have you stopped to ask yourself why? I have to admit, this episode was the one in the series that I was secretly least excited about, not because of my guest. Lindsay Shaw is one of the ones I was most excited to talk with. But this idea of rest and giving up a day of work, that doesn't really light my fire. Now, after having the conversation, I realized it was the one I most needed. And if if you struggle with perfectionism and running yourself ragged, I think you're going to find answers that you didn't even realize you were looking for, partly because you don't even realize how much the world is demanding hustle. It's everywhere. This idea that you have to max out your potential and use your opportunities, that you have to push yourself and work harder. Here's the thing. God isn't the one saying those things. So I'm delighted to have Lindsay Schott return and talk with us about the creator who invites you to rest, not hustle. You'll remember that Lindsay was uh, with us in season two to talk about the true story of the arrest. It was one of my favorite episodes, and I highly recommend uh, listening to it if you haven't yet. Lindsay is a Bible teacher. She's the co-creator of the Women's Teaching Program at Stonegate Church, which I got to be part of this year. And Lindsay has a passion for women to be equipped to know the scripture and teach it effectively to others. Also, make sure you check out Lindsay's watercolor work. It's absolutely beautiful, and I love that she is learning to work, not toil, but uh, work rightly as she shares her gift of art with us. So let's jump into this conversation with Lindsay and see what we have to learn about rest. Lindsay Schott, welcome back. It's so great to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon. I'm so excited. Oh, we had such a great conversation last time about Jesus and the true story of his arrest. And it was seriously one of my favorite conversations in our Easter series last spring. So it is great to have you back. Thank you for coming back with me. Thanks for having me. I love this. 
So I wanted to start by telling you about a time now you've got little ones, right? You've got a two-year-old, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So when I had a two-year-old and a newborn baby, um, my husband was working out of town and his company had rented this furnished apartment for us. And it was super nice, but you know, I mean, not perfect. It wasn't like home. And so to make things work, I set up a pack and play in the bathroom for the newborn because he, I didn't want him waking up my toddler. So it just worked, you know, it was kind of a big bathroom. So that's where he slept. His, his room was the bathroom. And, um, so then I remember seeing my two-year-old, you know, day after day, she'd watch me put the baby to bed in the bathroom. (laughs) And then I see her with her little doll one time saying time for bed, fleetie. And then she, you know, she lays him down next to the bathtub and I just thought, bless her heart. She just assumed that baby slept in the bathroom, you know, cause she's modeling after what she had seen. Um, Mm -hmm. so I just wonder, is there anything Lindsay that you see your kids doing and you're like, Oh yeah, they've seen me do that. Have you ever anything. Yeah. It's been so funny. So we have, we've got four and um, my oldest is nine and now my youngest is two. And so, um, they have seen me be pregnant and they've seen me have a newborn and they seal <laughs> these things. And so, um, one of the funniest things is when you see them stuff animals like under their shirt oh, yeah. or something, and then they walk around <laughs> like, I'm going to have a baby. And, uh, they know it comes out somehow, but they don't know. Yeah, exactly. That. Uh, I've seen my girls um, try to nurse their babies, which oh, is also right. super comical <laughs> when they've been around that. You're like, well, this is their life. This is what they see, you know? <laughs> um, that's always funny. So you just watch them do that. And uh, there's always a hilarious check because my first two are very close together. They're 15 months apart. And so if they are disciplining their own animals or babies, they, mm-hmm. um, no, no, pow, pow. They say, oh. <laughs> You're no, a little no, bit no, like, oh, okay. <laughs> yep, that's what they see all of it happening, you know? Yeah. Um, so, well, in our passage today, we're going to watch God model something for his children. Yes. And it's something that he doesn't need. It's rest. He's going to model rest. So in this true story of the beginning series, we're looking especially at the way that the origin story, it gives us context for all of the components of life. The origin story in Genesis informs our story yet today. Um, and rest is part of our daily life. And so we need to understand what is happening here in Genesis two. And so Lindsay, would you be willing to just go ahead and read just a couple of verses? We're going to do Genesis two, one through three, and you're going to be reading from the NASB translation, right? I am. Yes, ma'am. Says thus, the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Okay, so this is the seventh day. Uh, God has, we've just seen days one through six in Genesis 1, this beautiful poetic uh, creation story. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking at day seven. And on this seventh day, 
God is done working. And, you know, now I'm in this teaching program this year that your church hosts and Uh you're one of the directors and leaders. So you're kind of my teacher. Um, And so one of our Bible study methods is repeated words. Yeah. And, and that's, I think you and I both noticed, look at, look at all the ways that this phrase is repeated. God completed his work, which he had done. He rested on the seventh day from his work, which he had done. God yep. blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he rested from all his work. So God's work is what is being emphasized here. And God's work is done. What do you see there? What's, what do you notice? What's interesting? Yeah. What's interesting to me is in, in just three verses, you have it said, I think six times, six times God's work that he completed, which he did. This was his work. He's the one working. (laughs) And so even all of Genesis one, really, I mean, he's the, he's the only one doing something. He's the only uh, personal character until he makes man. And it's like, God is the one that worked. And so, and therefore God rested. Although we know from other things in scripture, he doesn't need rest, but it is the work of God that's exalted. And it's the work of God that's emphasized. And it's not any work of Adam or Eve. They, they came into being after God's labor. And so it sets up our understanding for rest begins not with our work, but God's work. So good. So what do you think, what are we supposed to see about our work from God's work and his, his modeling resting? One of the things that's really interesting to me is that Genesis is, it's the beginning of the Bible, but it's also the beginning of everything. Like you called this an origin story. The origin of most things are all here uh, in Genesis. And so um, here we see the beginning of rest. And if we are looking at in the beginning, God did the things that were super important. He set up our reality as we know it, that God himself made rest a part of our reality. Mm. And so if God doesn't, need rest in the same way that you and I need a nap or (laughs) things like that, because he's infinite and and that doesn't, he doesn't get exerted. Um, Then he does rest because he's modeling something. Uh, And if I want my kids to really know how to do something, like if I want to teach them something important, like how to use a knife or scissors, something that is really important. I just, just, I don't just say to them, here's how to do this thing. I do it with them. I do it for them. We do it together. And then they step into doing it themselves. And so the fact that God, it says it's sanctified it. So, so this day is made holy, not just because God said it was holy, but because God did it. And then in him doing it, it makes it holy. Hmm. And so, um, he modeled what was important. He didn't just say it, which he'll say it later, but he actually did it. And so it matters because God did it first. Yes. I love that, that he's actively choosing rest as, as a father for his children. Mm -hmm. He is modeling what matters for us and he created our bodies, right? And he, he could have created us where we, you know, downloaded our energy from from the sun, put solar panels on our head or whatever, right? He could, mm-hmm. yeah. he could have, but God created our bodies to need rest on a regular basis. This is a huge part of our life yeah. rest, whether, whether we recognize it or not, you know, I mean, maybe you haven't thought much lately about, oh yeah, I need sleep. And, you know, mm-hmm. sleep is a huge, and the older I get, Lindsay, the more my sleep is affected and I need the right pillow. I need the right setting. I have yes. to have a, a sound machine. I have to, uh, everything 100%. has to be, <laughs> I, I've stopped eating in the evenings because that was interrupting my rest. Like, rest is important and a lot of things, you know, affect our rest. So I think it's really fitting that God makes, I mean, he spends,
spends one of his seven days, you know, one of the seven days of creation on rest. I want to come back to your thoughts on it being sanctified. But first, like, did you notice that in the first six days, um, at the end of each day, it says, and then there was evening and morning, you know, the first day, the second day, and then, and then that's missing here. Every task has an end and a beginning in one through six, this was started and this was completed. And the statements about um, completion for this on day seven just have to do with the work that was already done. It was the the creation work that God was going to be done was done. And now he enters into enjoyable rest with everything that he created. Right. Well, and so like we just said, it's God's work that's being emphasized mm-hmm. here. Yeah. God's work is done. Mm-hmm. Our work is not done. Right. Yeah. So, but this is setting up a pattern. God is Mm -hmm. setting up a pattern where God worked for six days and then God is resting. And then there are those verses in Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 that say, so there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Uh, For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God Mm -hmm. did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Ooh, I I mean, there's a lot in those verses. We won't have a chance to unpack them, but whole volumes. (laughs) I know, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that something's being modeled here. And what would that, what would that be, Lindsay? What's amazing to me is, is right here in the very beginning, before you have sin even come into the picture, God rests, modeling that for humans. So rest, there's a rest with God that's fundamental to our humanity and fundamental to his nature as God. Mm -hmm. Because if God isn't the one who needs rest, and so he did rest for us, it shows what kind of leader he is. Mm -hmm. What kind of God is God? God is the kind of God who would work and make something beautiful. And then he doesn't now command Adam and Eve. He does command them to work, but he doesn't work them to death. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say, now expend yourself and work continuously to make this work. He's like, I will do all the work and why don't we rest and enjoy it? I mean, Mm -hmm. it it is as if he makes this incredible meal and he's like, I just want you to eat it. I just want you to enjoy it. I had so much fun making it. This is all who he is. And part of our nature with him is his creatures before sin even enters the picture. God will labor and we are invited into rest as a gift because Mm -hmm. he's such a good authority. He's so kind and like Mm -hmm. benevolent. And it's like, let me show you what rest is. And that is actually one of the things that I think gets ruined in the fall is now the work that we are commanded by God to do because work is work was still part of um, a sinless existence. But now our work becomes toil. Now mm-hmm. work becomes fruitless. Now work becomes, I'm going to work really hard. And I'm just going to get thorns back at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now even rest gets marred by the presence of sin uh, and that we don't get to enjoy rest with God. Uh, and now we are toiling for everything that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But you see God here and now there's a pattern through the whole scripture of God's work and then him inviting humans into his rest. And it happens a bunch. This is the first place it happens, but it happens here. It happens when God liberates Israel out of Exodus. Israel didn't leave Egypt because they led a great military victory. Yeah, no. God liberated them and they were invited to come out. And when the promised land is created, God even says more than once, he's like, this is a land that you did not uh, plow it. You did not build the buildings. You did not make the cisterns, Mm. but I'm giving you this land as a completed land. And then, of course, you see it. uh, You see it also in David. David's like, Lord, I want to build you a house. And God's like, 
how would I build you an eternal kingdom? <laughs> it just sort of winds up the whole thing. And ultimately you see it like with, with Jesus, what you just read in Hebrews, God is always pointing to this work that he's doing in redemption. That's like, I am going to do the work and I'm going to invite you into my rest as a gift. Mm. And your job is to receive it and enter it. And the fullest expression is Jesus. I mean, he, he embodies it and lives it. He, he labors in the way that we cannot labor before God because we can't earn anything before God because of our sin. And Jesus his just magnificent and beautiful, obedient life labors in front of God, earns this merit. God's promises are like a set of parentheses. The first one is when he makes the promise. The second one is when he keeps it. And you never have one without the other. But often there's this long stretch between the two, much longer than we first imagined, right? That's what we see in Sarah's story found in Genesis 12 through 21. God promised a son, but in this wide stretch between the parentheses, she wondered, would God keep his promises? Could he? I'm Shannon Popkin, inviting you to come find the answer to those questions, both for Sarah and yourself, in my brand new six-week Bible study titled, Shaped by God's Promises, Lessons from Sarah on Fear and Faith. Find out how you too can be shaped by God's promises in the waiting. And then the invitation is come and rest from your dead works that are never going to earn you anything in this life or the next and enter rest, rest with God and enjoy it. And that's one of the things that Jesus purchases and redeems uh, because rest gets marred in the fall and we start toiling for God's approval, for people's approval. And we start looking for our identity and the things that we're doing here. And it can never be that for us. Mm, and God, and he's liberating us from all that. It's so good. You know, Jesus did work himself to death, you know, literally worked himself yes. to death. And then he said, it is finished. And he invites us to rest in him because that's the gospel story. The whole Bible is built around this story of Jesus doing the work that we cannot do. Yeah. And so what I, all the things that you just said are so compelling. And I feel like there are two ways to respond. And one is um, that work was part of God's good intention for us. Mm -hmm. So in that I am, I am invited to work and yeah. my work is not, I shouldn't feel bad about this because I, I kind of do Lindsay tend to be a workaholic. I do love my work. I just can't mm -hmm. wait to get back to it. My husband and I recently went on a vacation. Um, we had a seven day vacation planned and we, um, we had to cancel it because of, we both got sick with COVID. And so then we went and we were like, well, we still have a reservation in Costa Rica for our 25th anniversary. We'll see if we ever get there, <laughs> but yeah. we decided, well, we'll just take a long weekend and go to Florida. And it was like three or four days. And on the fourth day, we were like, we're, we're kind of ready to go get back to work. I don't think we're seven day vacation type people. We're just, we, you know, we're like, we've enjoyed our time just laying That's around, awesome. but man, we're kind of ready to, mm -hmm. so I love my work and I love it that that is part of God's good intention that the work um, that God invites me to is not, is not a curse, but I take it too far. 
I want to work mm-hmm. when it's time to quit. Even last night, Ken got home. Now we are in this empty nest phase <laughs> and Ken got home from work at about uh, 7.30 last night and I was still working. And I told him, oh man, I just have a few more things to finish. I went up, we had chips and cheese for dinner. Like what, you know, nice, yeah. right? That's a real yeah. healthy dinner because it was quick and I could just throw it in the microwave. And we sat, we stood at the bar and ate that together. And yeah. I'm like, I just got to go get a few more things done. And then I worked until 9.30. Yeah. You know what that is. And, and here I am getting ready for this podcast today on rest. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. I perfect conversation so much, but I love that you, that you talked about how, what kind of a leader God is, you know, that God is not the type of leader who works us to death. Me working till nine 30 every night and not getting rest and not eating healthy. Like that's not, that's not me yeah. following my God. Yeah. Uh, talk to us more about that. What, yeah. is, what is this? being modeled here? What kind of leader do we have? Well, it's amazing that God, when he sets this up for God, a complete picture of a a healthy human being working uh, under his leadership is a human being who works and who rests. Mm. So for God to see, to reflect his nature and to be doing it right, whatever that looks like is to work and to rest. Mm. And so that's, that's the perfect picture that you have both. And that demonstrates something about God that he's such a good leader uh, that he would tell us, I want you to rest. And by contrast, right, if even just looking at the original audience, if the original audience of Genesis is Israelites who are in the wilderness, who had been liberated from Pharaoh, and this is supposed to get them familiar with the God that they're saying they're going to follow and who he is and what he's commanded for them, they had another taskmaster and it was Pharaoh and he worked them to death. Uh, they were literally a race of people who only existed to work and they worked to death. And then to be given a leader like God who says, I would really like you for one whole day to stop working, to articulate two things. One, I don't, my kingdom isn't built on the backs of slaves. Mm. That's not how I build a kingdom. And for them to know our provision comes from a God who's good and not because we can work really hard. Mm. That's the kind of leader God is, mm. that God is telling them and telling us, I am so good that I labor on your behalf mm. and I want you to rest. You see that so beautifully in Jesus. You cannot make your own salvation. My own arm will bring salvation mm. and I will invite you into rest. Mm. So for God, a complete picture is work and rest. And, and it shows his benevolence. He could, he's, he's worthy enough. He's powerful enough to demand that we work ourselves to death. He doesn't. Mm. He doesn't at all. And in fact, he models and, and commands rest instead. And we do it with our kids. You know, uh, my kids, Christmas Eve, almost impossible to go to sleep. <laughs> and I can't tell you, this has happened several times where one of them is so excited. And uh, now we're pushing the 1030 mark and my kids are still young. And twice they have just started crying. And I don't know why they're crying. They don't know why they're crying. And all I say is, I'm like, you need to sleep so bad that your brain and your body is breaking down. You've got to sleep now. And, and that is an expression of, of God's kindness. You have to rest. I will not work you to death. And he could, he doesn't. It's so good. I, uh, I love when I am able to spend time on a beautiful meal. 
you know, and work mm-hmm. really hard at creating this really great food and creating ambiance. I love to set the table and like candles. Mm-hmm. And I love creating an environment for friends to come and join, but I am not the type to get up from that table and clear the dishes and get working on cleaning up my kitchen. I always leave it for the next morning. I just do. I, I don't want to get back to work. I want to rest. And I, I think you're giving me permission here, Lindsay, like yeah. <laughs> this is a beautiful design, right? Yes. Just thank God for those dirty dishes and be like, we can get those tomorrow. Let's enjoy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and I think that we have, there's a continuum. I think we look at this day, you keep calling it a gift. God has given it to us Mm -hmm. as a gift. God doesn't need rest. He's giving it to us as a gift. And I think we can, there are two ways we look at this gift. We either look at it like we're super, um, we maybe overemphasize the Sabbath. And that's what we see the Pharisees doing in the new Testament. Mm-hmm. They've turned it into this, like, you can't even, uh, you know, lean down and, and help your animal that has fallen into a pit. Like that would be work. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think I heard somewhere that in Israel today, a Jew cannot, um, push the buttons on the elevator. So they have to have an attendee who, cause that would be work. So, I mean, that's almost, that's burdensome. That's not that. And, and I, I mm-hmm. see that I live in a Dutch community that really emphasizes, um, the Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath. And, and I see mm-hmm. people judging each other on what you do or you don't do on Sunday. That's not realizing the gift in a proper way. But mm-hmm. now I lean mm-hmm. kind of more towards the other way. I didn't grow up in a, a Dutch, uh, you know, home <laughs> or community. Mm-hmm. And I tend to look at it like, mm, what can I, you know, how can I make this my day? not mm-hmm. God's day. Like, how can I, you know, I want to be lazy. I want to watch TV. I want to, I want to use this to feed my own selfish desires. Like what can I get away with <laughs> that? Mm-hmm. And I, and yeah. I, don't, I get the sense that isn't right either. Right. Yeah. Well, those, yeah, there's these two expressions of like, you have uh striving to keep a law of rest, which is ironic. Yeah. <laughs> you're like that doesn't seem right. And then, then falling off onto a slothfulness that, that the Bible wouldn't support in us either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little folding of hands, what's the Proverbs. Yeah. And yet God is asking us to do that, to keep that as an expression of who he is. I think at least on the one side, if, if someone's listening and their struggle is to be extremely, uh, we'll say legalistic, but, but varied to the letter about what rest means to me, Hebrews four sort of take some of that out of the way. Because if you look at Hebrews 4, when it talks about being invited into God's rest, the biggest rest that the author of Hebrews is talking about is rest from dead works that cannot earn your place before God wow. or in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's not really talking about, are you keeping the Sabbath once a week? He's not arguing for that. He's saying, have you entered the rest that is offered by God through the blood and body of Christ? Because he has inaugurated a better covenant. That is the rest you need to enter. And if in your heart you wrestle that, uh, because the heart that wants to keep the letter of the law with the Sabbath mm-hmm. is not a heart that has rested from dead works to earn their place before God. So good, Lindsay. So good. So that would that's if that's your heart to keep it right, remember that we enter the kingdom and we enter rest through the work of Christ. Not ours. Mm-hmm. Not ours at all. Mm-hmm. We're liberated to enjoy. And then for the heart that wants to use the Sabbath first uh, for yourself, that's me, by the way. Give me a bag of Doritos. <laughs> Let's watch some movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that's all terrible, but that rest is an invitation to fellowship with God and to, to know him, to know him as our leader. 
and it's an invitation into intimacy with him mm. uh, to restore our souls, right? Um, and I think, unfortunately, and what I do so much is that my soul needs rest, not just my body. I mean, it's like my soul feels weary and I need rest. Mm -hmm. And Netflix is easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix is so easy, but it's a broken cistern, yeah. right? There's only one source of living water. There's only, there is a bone weariness in us that no nap and no Netflix and no amount of hammock sitting is going to solve. Mm. And so a, a genuine, if you want to keep a 24 hour actual Sabbath, it will get your soul in touch with the rest it actually needs, which is fellowship with God. Mm. Oh man, that is so convicting to me because, you know, what we see in these verses is that God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified mm -hmm. it, right? So that word sanctified, we see that all through the Bible and it, it means like yeah. to be set apart to be set apart, to be made holy. Yeah. Right. So this day God is giving it to us as a gift. And I am somebody who I, I might not really want this gift. You know, I just like to work and I'd like to just continue on my Sunday. Like, I don't, I feel like I don't need rest. I I'll just keep going. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I said, I love the whole Netflix and junk food and that, you know, so I'll do both of those. I'll work, you know, and, and for me, a lot of my Sundays, they just look like my neighbor's Sunday who doesn't follow the Lord. You know, it's a day off of work where I can do what I want. Maybe I, you know, I go to church, but apart from mm -hmm. those couple hours, my day looks pretty consistently, but I am so, I find what you said so compelling that God is giving me this set aside day because he wants to replenish my soul. Mm -hmm. He wants yeah. for me to find rest in him, not just rest in a superficial way that the world gives, he wants me to find my rest in him. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to this idea of, I call them the wildernites, you know? So this book, this book of Genesis was written for the people whom I call the wildernites because they're the people group that God, it's the, the Hebrew nation, Abraham's children, and God has delivered them from Egypt. And here they are because mm -hmm. they, they didn't do what God said. They didn't enter the rest. They didn't go into right. the promised land. They were afraid. They said, the people are giants. We feel like grasshoppers. So they said, no, we're not going in. And God left them in the wilderness for 40 years. Mm -hmm. Um, so here they are. So that's why I call them the wildernites. And tradition says that this is the time and the place that Moses is writing this book of Genesis right. for them. Right. And so it, ha we always say when we're looking at interpreting scripture, if it didn't mean something to them, the original, uh, the original audience, it shouldn't mean something to us. And right. so we have to look at, we always have to start with their lens. So here they are. I love you set it up earlier. They are this group where they they've been led by Pharaoh who would work them to death. And here God is setting mm -hmm. them apart and saying here, we're going to reset. We're going to build a community that represents my kingdom, God's kingdom. They're in, you know, they're going to be entering this promised land and they're going to get ready for that mm -hmm. by setting aside a Sabbath day where they're not going to work. Um, I read somewhere, Lindsay, that I think it was in Europe somewhere. They tried to go to a nine day work week to increase productivity, or maybe it was a 10 day work week. Mm -hmm. And what they found is no productivity way decreased when they added more days to the work week. Our, our bodies were like this whole seven day pattern, mm -hmm. six days of work, mm -hmm. one day of rest. This was God's idea. And the the idea yeah. is, you know, God's going to take care of them. If they take it, he wants for them to have a day off mm -hmm. and he wants them 
in a sense, to trust him with that day off, yeah. that they don't have to keep laboring. And also there's the thing with the manna, right? God's providing their food, right? Mm-hmm. He's providing it every yeah. day, day after day after day. But on the Sabbath, they're not supposed to, they're, they're supposed to take a double portion on the sixth day. And so that they're supposed to rest. And what happened? Do you remember the story? What happened when people tried to gather more or didn't, you know, they did what I would do. You either gather too much, more than what you're told, and it went bad, or they were like, I'll get it tomorrow. And they woke up on the seventh day and it was not there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were hungry that day. Yeah. And so, yeah. So God was setting up a system where he's inviting them to trust him, even for their food, right? He's inviting, yeah. he's like, I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you mm-hmm. this day off. This is a gift to you. And they also had certain, I think it was every 70 years, they would, uh, any debts were canceled mm-hmm. and it's basically like, you know, I'm going to be generous to you. I'm going to take care of, I'm going to yeah. take good care of you and you can be generous to others. I'm going to take care of it. Right. You don't have yeah. to hold each, you know, you can just open your hands and give to others knowing that I'm a generous God and you can rest in me. Yeah. Yeah, the rest of God is such a um, one. It's like I have two thoughts, and like one is you see it like you're saying, like even even though the original design of what happened in Eden is still broken, there's still these hints of it that come mm-hmm. up in our lives. That it's like, gosh, God did you do a ten hour, you a ten day work week, and and no one can do it. All our productivity uh, dies. And then even with COVID, I mean, people were remarking they were like the the water is clearer, the air mm-hmm. is clearer. And it was like, because all these things shut down. <laughs> and <sighs> just the just remarking, like, every seven years and every 70 years, uh, fields were supposed to go fallow, rest the land, mm-hmm. the land itself needs to rest. God cares so much for his creation, even the land rests. Mm-hmm. And then in COVID, when everything rested, the remark was like, isn't that amazing? Maybe we should do this more often. <laughs> it's like, maybe we should do it every seven years, <laughs> you know? So like you see God's fundamental creation with rest included, even though it's broken and still a a tainted shadow, we're seeing it. We saw it like in the benefit of rest. And it's incredible. And it's incredible that for the wilderness, like you said, (laughs) that rest is an expression of who they are and how they stand out from other nations Mm. that demonstrates like that they understand that their provision does not come by the sweat of their brow. It comes from a good God. And that every week God wants them to realize that. And then they are reminded and we are reminded that our provision, our success, our whatever it is we're going for does not come by the sweat of our brow, but by the graciousness of God. And it is an expression of trust. Mm. If we find in ourselves a unwillingness to rest or bucking against rest, it means we're bucking against God and his godness. Mm. Because he created us for rest, to need rest, and to rest with mm-hmm. him. And when I refuse rest, and when I when I don't want to have any limitations of needing rest, it means that I'm, I'm trying to be like God mm-hmm. who doesn't need rest. Wow. I'm trying to be unlimited. I'm trying to be infinite. And I am not. Mm-hmm. And if I cannot rest, it means I'm probably trying to be God. I'm trying to get something by working harder and by the sweat of my brow. And I am outside the bounds of how he made me as his created creature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm probably not following him as my leader either. 
right? If he's, he's a good leader, <laughs> yeah. If he, and if he's modeling this and he's given me this gift mm-hmm. and he's set this apart for me, well, then who am I following? Right. If I'm bucking the system and saying, no, I don't need rest. I don't need every seven days off, or I don't need to sleep every day. Right. So who am I listening to? <laughs> you were mentioning that before. And I was like, Ooh, that is very convicting. Like who is my leader then? Yeah. At that point. So Lindsay, um, one of the things that we're asking in this season is what are the false narratives? Because here's our, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, Jen Wilkins says that Genesis is the seedbed for the whole Bible. And so we're looking at like how this is our origin story. This is how God set up our existence. Um, everything we can kind of look back to the roots in Genesis and understand his mm-hmm. good intentions for the world. But our world has rejected God and revolted against him. And so we see all of these mm-hmm. false narratives that are are fighting against God's good intentions. Our enemy has designed a plan to, like you, you said, buck the system and go against God's good intentions. So in the world, what false narratives does this idea of a Sabbath, a set aside day mm-hmm. to make God holy, what false narratives does this correct for us? Is there a teen you know and love who struggles with the endless pressure of comparison? Maybe she drives herself to exhaustion trying to prove she measures up. Or maybe she shrinks back to the shadows, convinced that she'll never measure up. In my brand new book, Comparison Girl for Teens, co-authored with Lee Neenheis, we're talking about the new face of this age-old problem, comparison. We've got lots of fun quizzes and stories to keep her engaged, and we've broken up the chapters by topic, talking about things that she's got questions about, comparing beauty, comparing femininity, comparing popularity, and more. But ultimately, our goal is to invite your teen to Jesus' healthier, happier way of living me-free. So come visit ComparisonGirl.com and get the answers that both she and you need on how to thrive beyond measure in a world that compares. Uh, it definitely, it definitely corrects what you see out there as hustle. It even has a name and it's hustle culture. It's uh, go, go get it, go build your empire, go hustle, work hard, do more work harder. It doesn't really sound like that. It sounds more glamorous. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hustle. It's uh, build your empire. It's get your brand going. It's mm-hmm. all of that. Uh, and it puts it on your shoulders to make a name for yourself, to honestly out, outlive what you can actually outlive, to put a name out, to put a brand out, to put yourself out, to be an influencer, to do all these things. And that that's actually what's going to make you happy, fulfilled, significant, and whatever other word you want to put in there. But it's going to be up to you and only you to make it happen. Oh boy, girl. Yeah. And doing what I do as an author and speaker, I mean, I'm, I'm on social media, um, for the purpose, like I wrote a book called influence building a platform that elevates Jesus, not me. And that's my goal. I want to elevate Jesus everywhere, but I tell you left and right, I turn back to you got to hustle, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's the world's yeah. message to me. And I believe it. There are times that, and then I, I fall back into the trap, you know, like work until mm-hmm. nine 30 last yeah. night, you know, that's me doing the whole hustle thing and falling back, believing that lie. Have you ever struggled with this in your life too, Lindsay? Oh, have I struggled? I could wear the t-shirt for you. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I have had 
you know, anytime we're in and out of struggling with things, but distinctly, I remember in the fall of 2019, I, I worked uh, at our church and I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, so that like you, you're saying the work that I was doing, I loved and not even my, my bosses weren't even the voice saying, Lindsay, you need to do more. <laughs> but what I found in the fall of 2019 was I found myself um, working a lot. I found myself feeling more anxious than ever. I am usually a napper. I love naps. I've napped my whole life. I couldn't nap anymore. I had trouble sleeping because what was happening is as I would try to go to sleep, there was still internally, biologically, neurologically, something still, there was a wheel still spinning. And so it was really that fall that I'm starting to see these outer symptoms of I'm not sleeping well. Uh, I'm not present. Even when I'm present with my own friends and family, it's like I'm there, but I'm like half there. In my times in the word, I was like, same thing. I would be trying to focus on the word and be present with God. And I, I could not. Mm. I would show up and it was still like I was half there. And so uh, it was then that I realized I was like, I have just an engine in me that says, you're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. And it, it affected every area of my life, my motherhood, being a wife, being a friend, doing ministry, other things that I do. It was always, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. And I need to do more. And yet I always felt like I was a, what is it, a dollar late and an hour short, yeah. whatever that thing is. Um, and uh, it, it's, I just felt like this cannot be living. This cannot be right. Like, I can't keep doing this. Um, and so through several different events and something that God's even now still kind of getting to the root of and taking out, two things became obvious. And they were two sides of the same coin. One, I love getting to do what I do. I love teaching. I watercolor, so I love watercolor. I love doing all those things. But I also have an ambition for those things. I also have an ambition that's swirled in there that is, I want people to know me for those things and I want to be good at those things. And I want people to think of me and say, Lindsay's so great at that. Um, and what happens with that ambition, with that desire for my uh, fame in a small way, my glory, my success in that, is it instantly becomes a ruthless taskmaster who then looks back at me and says, you're not doing enough. Wow. The same thing. And so, um, what has become more clear to me is that God is a good leader, is not looking at me saying, Lindsay, you're not doing enough. He is saying, I'm inviting you to rest, but you are going to have to let all the other stuff go. Because even, even if I did it, let's say I did all the Instagram posts that I'm, I sh should be doing <laughs> to have a successful amount of influence, which I totally don't. And let's say I achieved all those things that I think are going to make me uh, feel satisfied. One, the Bible would probably tell me you'll get to the top of that mountain and find out nothing's mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. You won't. You might get to the top. You might be super successful. It will still not produce for you the rest in your soul that you need. And so then the alternative is come to God and let go of all of that because all of those things just become ruthless taskmasters anyway because they're not good leaders. Right. They're not God. Yeah. But coming to God and letting him so graciously say, take all that off. You don't need that. And just take on my yoke and my burden. Uh, do the things that I'm telling you to do and walk with me and I'm inviting you into rest. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's still happening for me. I'm still in the midst of that voice in my head, which is amazing, being dismantled. I, I mean, truly, like, my life is changing right now. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, I am more present uh, in this moment with my kids. I am more uh, okay with interruptions. I am finding myself more secure in just being a person who's loved by God 
And um, I live as a witness to whoever's in front of me. And I, I don't need to worry about my influence on social media. Mm-hmm. And if I don't post enough, I don't post enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't. And um, not bucking up against, as, as a creature, God has called me to rest. As a believer, he's invited me graciously into enjoying him with rest and to take, to take that option. Mm-hmm. And it liber- it's liberating me, mm. and it's making me enjoy people, my family, my life way differently. Mm, that's so good. Um, I'm so grateful to hear that this is this transformation is happening in you. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm still a work in progress too. Um, I think we wrote the book Influence in was it 2019? Same year that you were struggling too. Yeah. Right. And then my, my <laughs> right before we were all about to enter a pandemic. Exactly. Yes. And, <laughs> um, and then my most recent book comparison girl is all about that, that message. You have to get ahead. You have to measure up. You have to, and yeah. you know, all of those voices and, and how I started that book is, and this was really for myself is like, wait, where am I getting that message? Yeah you know, where am I, where am I receiving that message that you have to put yourself out there? You have to get ahead. You have to drive yourself because I, I've never heard Jesus say anything remotely like that. You know, in my Bible, his words are in red. And if I just skim through, he never says, he never says, you know, you have to get ahead. And he never says you're not enough. He's, he never invites me to rise, you know, to elevate myself. And he never shames me because I haven't. His mm. kingdom is a kingdom that invites us to rest in God. And when that is our purpose and when that's our fulfillment, this, you know, this kingdom that we're all invited to, well, then we can just flourish and, and go ahead and use our gifts because we do all have gifts. Right. So the message is not stop working. The message is just, you know, your purpose and your lead, your leader is different. Mm-hmm. You know, you have this leader, Jesus, Jesus did not come into our world bent on proving that he was the greatest, even though he was right. But that he was humble. He just lived his life to yeah. serve others. He mm-hmm. um, used his, his gifts and abilities to lift others up, not himself up. And when we follow him, we do find rest. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Embracing rest allows us to work rightly. Because before, if we're toiling in our, whatever our work is, even our spiritual giftings, and this is major for anyone who's a believer and working in the church, because this all gets veiled in like Jesus and ministry language. And that somehow gives you permission to do the same exact thing, (laughs) to run your life ragged, but in the name of Jesus, it's like, that's not right. That's not okay. But, but if you embrace this as, as God inviting you to rest, then you can actually work because the gifts that you're using, the ministry you're doing, whatever does not need to produce gain for you in your identity, in your significance, in your legacy. It doesn't need to do any of that for you. And so now you're liberated Mm. and you can actually serve now. You can actually give yourself because you you don't need to take from Mm. it. And now you're liberated to really give your gift as a gift to another. Uh, Give what you have in service to the church, to your community, because you don't need to get from it Um, because you can't have both. I can't use what I love in Bible teaching to get my identity and my platform and also say, I'm serving the church. I'm, I'm giving my life for people. But if I embrace rest and Jesus is my identity, he is my, uh, he's my rest and he's liberating me. Then I can actually use my gifts rightly Mm. to serve another and not myself. I feel like I need to go listen to what you just said about five times. (laughs) 
which I, so I'm, so do I. I'm glad uh, I, I often say things mm-hmm. that I need to just say to myself, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we have them recorded here. So Lindsay, I, I know you basically just said what I'm going to ask you, but maybe mm-hmm. in a, in a really succinct way, talk to the woman who has just bought into the idea of hustle. Yeah. in this world's system of you have to get ahead, you have to measure up. Mm-hmm. What would it look like to live like it's true that our God rested on the seventh day? Mm-hmm. The first thing I would say, if you are um, running yourself ragged, if you are feeling like you are hustling and never coming up with enough, try and be in the quiet, even though it's hard and ask yourself, why are you doing it? Why? Is it for someone? Is it for you? And just keep asking yourself why until you get hopefully to a rock bottom. of This is why I'm doing it because something is driving you. But if it's running you ragged and you cannot rest, your life cannot rest, I will at least give you a hint now. It's not God who's doing that to you. Something else. Mm -hmm. And to at least ask yourself why. Mm -hmm. And we all have a different why. It might look different, but ask, why are you doing this? And who is it for? Um, and that would be the first thing. And at least to hold out hope and just to maybe confirm your suspicions. No, it does not have to be this mm. way. You don't have to live this way. You really don't. And God really is offering a better alternative. And that's possible for you. Mm, that's so good. So living like it's true is rejecting the idea that I have to do more, that I have to live this ragged life, <laughs> running myself yeah. ragged life. Like that is not true. That is not truth. Um, and so it's not the leadership of our yeah. God. <laughs> Lindsay, thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you yes, have shared. So fun. And I'm so excited that God is transforming both of us. Um, and, and yeah. I just, uh, I would love for our listeners to look back on this conversation and, and mm-hmm. look at it as, you know what, God was inviting me to receive a gift, a gift of rest. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, I would love that. Can I just remind you that each of these stories from the Bible is absolutely true. Rather than giving us a list of facts to memorize about himself, God gave us a book filled with stories, and each one helps us to know him and to understand this overarching story that we are all in. So I hope that you'll take some time looking at this story in your Bible. To help you study, I've put together my free Live Like It's True workbook, which includes my False Narratives watch list, my Story Elements bookmark, and more. Live Like It's True is part of the Resound Podcast Network. For more gospel-centered resources, visit resoundmedia.cc. We've got that link for you, along with links to any of the other resources that we've mentioned in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining me, and now it's time to go live like it's true.